It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. We are back live and better than ever on Big Blue Kickoff Live. It is Monday afternoon. Thanks for being with us. I'm Paul Dottino. He is Super Bowl champion putter Jeff Fiegels. And we can take your phone calls today at 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. You can also find us on Twitter at hashtag GiantsChat. And you'll also later be able to find an archive of this show at our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcasts. Hello, Jeff. It is so good to be live <laughs> once again. I can't wait to talk to the fans. I can tell. I could tell on you, Mr. Dottino, and uh, yes, it is. I'm doing well, thank you. I'm coming off a good weekend, and uh, it is nice to have. We're starting to see a little normalcy here. John Schmelk is back in the studio running things, so that's good. Uh, The spiders and everybody in his basement can now come back. He's back at work, and this show is up and running. We're going to take calls today. Great to talk to you, Paul. And good to be back, my friend. Now, we will get to our guest in just a moment as we get to our opponent previews. Today, we'll be discussing the Miami Dolphins, uh, who will be on the Giants' slate this season. But before we do that, uh, Jeff, did you notice uh, this is the 19th? It is Monday of uh, July. (laughs) And next week, in fact, exactly eight days from today, on July 27th, training camp opens i can't wait (laughs) oh boy i tell you what i don't know if i was ever that excited going to a train when i was playing going into training camp but certainly uh, i was always excited just maybe not that excited but it is you know what's funny paul is that the players they're they're now to the point where they had those five weeks off give or take a few days or whatever but i can tell you this you said there's eight days left they're chomping at the bit they really are. It's, it's, it's everything is it's over now, right? They went away with their families. They're they've kind of went on vacation, and now they're sitting there going, "Okay, they're just xing off the days." And as they get closer, they're realizing, "Okay, am I am, am I okay? Um, am I in shape? Am I going to pass a conditioning test?" Um, well, oh my God! So they're just getting so nervous. And if you remember, I don't know if they allowed anymore, but there was a lot of times where people would would actually come a few days early if they could. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they allow it anymore, but that just goes to show you the anticipation that goes through these players. And it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a little bit different again this year. But I'll tell you, things are looking up. And we've talked enough about this team, about the teams that they're going to be playing. But it's time, time to tee it up very soon. I'm excited, too. Maybe not as much as you, Paul, but I am excited. All right. Well, let's get to our play, play uh, opponent preview today. And we'll be yep. talking about the Miami Dolphins. Now, the Dolphins will be playing the Giants on December the 5th. It is a road game down in Florida. That's a Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. And to preview Miami's summer training camp, it's Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald. He is so kind to join us today while on vacation. I have to tell you, Armando, you are doing yeoman's job for us. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. And I know fans down in Miami have been listening to your podcasts and reading your stories now for such a long time. You are a Dolphins girl. Thanks so much for joining us, and we really hope everything is well with you. 
Oh, no, it's always my pleasure. I'm always thinking about the New York Giants while I'm on vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, the funny part about it is, Armando, I actually do that very same thing. (laughs) That I believe. Let's let's open things up by by asking about Tua, the uh, very, very well-known and headline-grabbing quarterback. It is now his job. He goes into training camp. There's no Fitzpatrick around. Tua is the guy, so how prepared is he to lead the Dolphins to a double-digit win playoff season and play a full 17-game slate? Yeah, that's the, that's the question that will determine, the answer will determine the direction of the Dolphins' 2021 season. Obviously, you mentioned he's very well-known. Tua Tonga-Vailoa is, is one of the more widely known players uh, at his position. Uh, if you go by jersey sales, but I don't know that it's because of his performance on the field yet. It's it's for other things and for what he did at Alabama. The Dolphins need him to be widely well-known and respected based on performance and actual achievement and production, and that's not been the case yet. Obviously, he's only a second-year player. The Dolphins need him to manifest all the promise that they put on him when they drafted him number five overall in the 2020 uh, draft. Having said that, they're believing that he's capable. They're saying that he's improved on a number of issues that would make that a possi- that possibility a probability. Um, we'll see. We'll, we'll have to see. Now, if he falters, Jacoby Brissett has been brought in to be his backup. And, look, I don't know how much they think about him, but is this a situation where you think the two is going to have a short leash? Or if he struggles, do they just ride it through? Well, last year was short leash time. Last year, as a rookie, Tua got benched twice. And it would have been three times if, they would if the Dolphins had had Ryan Fitzpatrick in the season finale because Tua was struggling in that game as well, and he threw three interceptions and the Dolphins got blown out. So last year was short leash year. This year, if he's on a short leash, the, this team has problems because uh, it, it suggests and, in fact, it screams, okay, so he's not the guy you, you, you sold to us. He's not a franchise quarterback. If you're benching him to get a spark from Jacoby Brissett, you're in trouble. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, that, that, that is not – it's not a competition. This is a year where Tua, I think, will be given the exact opposite, a long leash, so that he does uh, have the maximum amount of at-bats of opportunities to actually produce. Uh, this sounds to me exactly as when I was growing up, and I didn't have an older brother, but I had a younger brother. And I remember when he was riding a bicycle, and he had those training wheels on it. And uh, all of a sudden, he came to that point, Armando, where the training wheels are off. Okay, now I'm leaving, and you're on your own. That sounds exactly kind of what it is going to be with Tua this year. But here's the thing that I think that I, I've got to believe that he's going to improve. Um I give so much credit to Brian Flores. And when you look at the job that he's done for the years that he's been there, 
he's really been able to develop a culture in Miami and get the most out of the players, even if they're not as much talented. I know that Tua is talented. Um, give me an idea of what this coaching staff, and by the way, they have two play callers this season. Maybe you can uh, comment on that a little bit and how that's going to impact Tua and the way he plays. But I'd like to know, you know, what are some of the really good things that he's doing and some of the things he's continually going to have to work on? Right. So with the two offensive co-offensive coordinators, that just weirds me out, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like you, you have a two-headed being. That's, that's a monster. <laughs> that's a weirdo. Uh, you want, at least I would say, you want one guy really to be the head and really to be the guy in charge. And the Dolphins are doing the collaboration thing. They couldn't deci- decide on one offensive coordinator or the other, so they're going in that direction. And I, show me, because I don't believe in that. Now, as far as what Tua is doing, look, Tua has, through his college career, been uh, had elite accuracy. He, is, he has an instinct for the game. He has an instinct for the pocket. Where I think he has struggled is struggling, first of all, in typical rookie stuff, identifying you know, the defense, pre-snap reads, moving faster, getting the operation faster uh, through the huddle and in, into the play. Um, and also the fact that he has a good arm, but it's not like anyone saying, oh, my gosh, it's a cannon. He's got the best arm in the NFL. And he's got, really, his size is marginal. He's six foot, and, you know, that's great if you're Drew Brees, but he's not (laughs) Drew Brees. And so he has to prove that he can overcome the arm, the size, uh, he's not exactly Michael Vick either, so he's not running away from people. Uh, so he really is going to have to rely on instinct and accuracy, getting the ball out fairly quickly, not getting hit so that he can continue to take snaps because oftentimes if a six foot 215-pound quarterback is hit a lot, uh, that, that's, not, <laughs> that's not sustainable. So all those things have to come in line for him to be successful. And one of the ways that the Dolphins are hoping that that happens is they've put some talent around him that they think should help him, you know, so that he doesn't have to carry the offense. The offense carries itself. Well, let's talk about that for just a second, because Eric Studisville and George Godsey, the co-offensive coordinators, will be drawing up plays for the likes of Jalen Waddell, who just came in from this year's draft, and we all know how highly thought of he was. Will Fuller comes over from Houston. Devontae Parker is there, and he's certainly a terrific player. But I don't see a lot of proven uh, established guys in the running back core. I wonder how imbalanced this offense is going to be, Armando. Right. Yeah, they like Miles Gaskin uh, as their starter, and I guess that's okay. <laughs> you, you do. You're being you kind. Have an ability to. You do have an ability to pluck out the 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 nits, don't you? Their running back <laughs> core is not not a team strength by any means. In fact, I would say it's the weakest 
room in the on the entire team. And you know they they like the fact that uh, they've got Gaskin, they've got Savin Ahmed, uh, you know Malcolm Brown. Two of those guys were not drafted. Uh, Miles Gaskin was a seventh round pick. You know. Larry Zonka's not walking through that door. <laughs> so, but you know, Armando, so, I have to tell you, Adrian Peterson is still out there, and he's telling people that he's ready to go and he's looking for a job. I would think the Dolphins would be a team that might have some interest. What is it, 2009 or something? I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, it's not like you've got a bunch of guys there ready to carry the right. ball. Right. Um, look. Everyone was expecting them to draft uh, a guy fairly early. They didn't do that. Uh, they continually talked about liking their group. Um, Adrian Peterson is a great name. He's a great player. He's got a great legacy. Trust me, I'm a Hall of Fame uh, selector, and my, my expectation is that someday I will be voting for him for entrance into the Hall of Fame, but it's not—he's not in his prime, <laughs> to uh, say the least. Right. It, it's been a minute since he's uh, entered the league, so uh, I can't speak for the Dolphins. My guess is that they want to—they're a young team. They want to go with a with a younger group. Armando, when you talk about Tua, you know, I think that you had mentioned that they surrounded him with some some guys that can make some plays for him, particularly in the wide receiver area. Um, one thing about when just kind of researching this team, I, I look at the wide receiver. Obviously, Devontae Parker is is probably the elite guy on the on the roster there at that position with Will Fuller, and then they drafted Jalen Waddle. Um, what do you see? I, I kind of see a similarity in all three of those guys. Deep threats. They all can run well. They all can get um, separation. They're good ball hawks. I, I think one of the components missing in that wide receiver room is somebody that can maybe just have that intermediate route running tree, something that can help there. What is your assessment of the wide receiver room, and how are they going to get better and be able to help Tua this year? Right. So I think that Devontae has been more of a deep threat out of necessity rather than uh, what he is really more comfortable doing. He's a 6'5", you know, 220-pound guy who runs well but isn't really going to, you know, blow the top off of defenses consistently. So now they have Jalen Waddell who runs like a 4'3", and obviously Will Fuller has a reputation and is been productive getting deep on defenses. So I think that that assignment will go to them, whereas with, with Parker, you're going to see more, like you, you mentioned, you know, the, uh, the crossing routes, the, 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 the intermediate routes. It's not going to be necessarily Devontae, you got to get you know, behind a guy to, to help us or you're not doing your job anymore. Armando from Miami Herald joining us to preview the Miami Dolphins on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Matt Skura comes over from Baltimore, an established center who's done a good job in this league, and he will be anchoring what is uh, looks to me like a very young offensive line. Armando, how will they hold up? Yeah, that's been a big question down here in South Florida for a long time because 
The Dolphins have spent a lot of resources, a lot of resources, both in free agency and the draft, trying to shore up the offensive line. And really, it hasn't worked so far. Um, <laughs> last year alone, they, they, they paid Eric Flowers to come as a free agent from Washington, and one year later, they're trading him back to Washington. So, and they paid the guy ten million dollars a year, uh, and now and they're paying part of his salary to go away. So that tells you that not all of the decisions have been great decisions. They spent a first round pick on their left tackle, Austin Jackson, last year. So in year two, he's got to make a, you know, something of a of a jump. Uh, they spent a second round pick uh, on Robert Hunt to play right tackle last year, and he's being moved to to guard now. So, again, resources spent. But we're at that point in the development of this team, and it's not just offensive line, by the way. We are at that point in the development of the team where people aren't going to buy potential anymore. Yes, you, you went out and you did great things and you did a lot. There was a lot of activity but now folks down here are expecting achievement. It's no longer about you did a lot of stuff. It's we need the stuff to actually work. Um, <clears throat> before we get to the defense, Armando, I wanted to ask you a real quick question on the passing game because it, it would be if we don't mention Mike Gusecki as uh, a viable target for Tua. Tell me a little bit about him. I think he's a, a big target, obviously a good catcher, good radius, and he can also – a good red zone target for Tua. How do you think he'll develop into that relationship with Tua throwing him to ball? Hello? I believe we have some technical difficulties. We, we may have be. lost Armando. I think we did. Uh, and so if that is the case, we will see we'll if uh, we can effort to get him back. No, he is on vacation, and I do not know where he is on vacation, but the signal uh, may have been interrupted by uh, a, a, a ship or uh, perhaps uh, a tunnel or a bridge or whatever the case may be. And if we can't get Armando back, we certainly thank him for his time. We don't have much time left with him anyway because, again, he is on vacation and was nice enough to uh, to give us some time to talk about the Dolphins. I would love to get a capsule look uh, at his defense. Yeah, I, I will just mention to you, <laughs> yeah, well, we don't have much time, even if we get him back, but I will say this, folks. When you look at their defense, uh, Jalen Phillips, their number one draft pick as the uh, strong side linebacker, at least that's where they're projecting him to play. Uh, that's going to be a very big deal. We know about his injuries in college, and I believe Armando Salguero from the Miami Herald is back with us. Armando, I don't know how we lost you, but we did. I know you're on vacation. I don't want to take much more of your time. So quickly, if you can give us a thumbnail of maybe one or two things you're excited about with their defense, uh, address Jalen Phillips if you could, and then maybe one or two things that you think they really need to worry about on their defense. Right. Well, I mean, their defense was the strength of the team last year. They were, I think, number five overall in, uh, in scoring defense, which is, you know, elite. So they have a playoff caliber defense. Uh, they, they would argue that they have possibly the two best, you know, corners in the NFL, the best cornerback tandem in the NFL. 
Uh, Xavier Howard led the NFL in interceptions last year, was an all pro. And uh, so they have guys that can get after the ball. They, they drafted Jalen Phillips because they want more pressure on the quarterback. To do that, they had to cut um, some people. But, it, look, Kyle Van Noy was brought in as a free agent last year, and then this year he was cut. <laughs> it, that, that's kind of the culture down here, to be honest with you. If you don't produce in one year, you're gone. And so uh, that happened, but Jalen Phillips is supposed to step in. Andrew Van Ginkle is supposed to step in. They do have uh, players that they believe are going to get after the quarterback. And if they are able to do that, they believe that they can play their man press. They believe that they will turn the ball over and serve up you know, opportunities for the offense. My, my question about all that is it's hard to count – on 19 interceptions for the season every year. That's hard to do. Eventually, offenses kind of try to figure out ways to not throw interceptions and uh, not challenge Xavier Howard as much, maybe. And, you know, if, if your team's success depends on turnovers, that's fine for a year or every other year. But it's hard to do that every single year. That's that's my question. I would say to you, Armando, that both Eric Rowe and Xavier Howard uh, had career years. Uh, and, and to be honest, both of their NFL careers have been rather checkered. They've been up and they've been down. Uh, can, you, can you guarantee they're, they're both going to have terrific years this year? Right. No. I, I mean, Xavier is – <laughs> Xavier has been up and down based on injury, but whenever Xavier's been on the field, he's been very productive. I think um, he has more interceptions per game than just about anybody in the NFL the last four years. So uh, that that doesn't worry me. His health, obviously, he has a knee issue that that is a concern. And, oh, by the way, <laughs> he missed all of the offseason because – uh, he wants a raise so, on a contract <laughs> that he's got four years remaining on. So there's that. That's not good. Uh, and yeah, we don't know if he is going to show up for you know training camp or at what point he will show up. But he didn't show up for the off season conditioning. He didn't show up for um, you know any of the OTAs or the mandatory minicamp. Armando, let me, last question for me, if you don't mind. Obviously, being from the University of Miami, I, I a little more information on Jalen Phillips. Um, watched him play last year. We were all very high on him coming out of college, a lot, like a lot of the scouts and organizations were. What are some of the things that you're hearing or seeing from the team that they're going to take precautions with him, of course, with the concussions and things? You know, obviously, the, the, the talent is immense there. And I'm just curious how they're – what you're hearing down there, how they're going to – are they going to do anything for him, an extra – padded helmet or you know what i'm saying so give me a little bit of of insight on what you see in jalen and what they're going to be able to do for him this season well i think first of all what you're going to see is that he's not going to be hand in the dirt every single down mm-hmm. so he's not going to have one of those car collisions you know 70 times a game okay um he's gonna you know play linebacker 
He's going to drop. They're, he's going to do the things that they ask their, their outside linebackers to do. And, of course, that includes rush the passer. But, like I just said, it's not 70 times a day where you're crashing into somebody uh, at the line of scrimmage. So that's number one. Number two, if he, you know, they're not going to ask him to do this immediately. Their desperation is not, we need Jalen Phillips or bust. In fact, right now, I don't know that he's even a starter. They're going to work him in slowly uh, and use him mostly as a uh, as a rush guy on on passing down. So now we're talking 30 plays a day. Mm-hmm. And, yes, the equipment staff is going to be mindful of, of his history. The team is mindful of his history before they drafted him number 18 overall, and they were comfortable with the idea that, it's not a chronic thing. It's not a terrible thing. And he can, they can manage it. So they're comfortable with it. Jalen Phillips has so much potential. It's scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a 260-pound, 6'6 guy, 6'5 guy, running 4'5'4", four, four, it's just otherworldly. Mm-hmm. Scary. Great stuff from Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald. You can reach him at his name on Twitter. Uh, You can also catch all of his podcasts and videos there through the Miami Herald. And right now he is going to enjoy the rest of his vacation and probably not think about the Miami Dolphins during the course of that trip. Armando, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Armando. Oh, it's my pleasure. See you guys in December. Yep. Be well. And keep the weather warm down there for us. (laughs) Again. good. (laughs) <laughs> the Miami Dolphins <laughs> to host the New York football Giants on December the 5th. That is a Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock game down in Miami as we continue with our Giants opponents' summer camp previews. Our number, if you want to give us a call here on Big Blue Kickoff Live, we are live and up and running again, and we can talk to you at 201 939 4513 201-939-4513. You can also find us on Twitter at hashtag Giants Chat. And don't forget, folks, that limited Giants season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information and don't miss out on your chance to get a premier hospitality experience by watching giants games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a giant suite partner limited full season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games call 888-NYG-1925 or visit giants.com slash suites for more information so, Jeff, in talking about the Dolphins and briefly wrapping up our conversation, we'll get to our phone calls in just a second. Uh, quite clearly, this is to his team right now, and it's time for him to put up or shut up because whatever else you think about the rest of that roster, he's going to have to get it done. Yeah, it, it's funny, Paul, because you know what? The more we do these, um, you know, these breakdowns of each team that the Giants are playing this year, I mean, the common denominator every single time, I, at least the, the teams that we're talking to, it's offensive line. It's offensive line. It's offensive line. Just well, goes shouldn't to show it you. be? I mean, it's unbelievable that how many teams across the the landscape of the NFL have problems with their offensive line. And um, 
and it's kind of ironic because if you got problems with your offensive line and you've got a quarterback to me who they don't I, I know they're high on him but I it just doesn't seem like this is that they're real real I mean I feel like there's some concern there um, but you know he is accurate he does throw the ball well but you know you don't have any running backs your offensive line is weak um, you're going to hang your hat on that defensive side of the football and try to keep keep your team in games and ask your quarterback not to make mistakes but here's the thing about that if they're winning football games and they don't have a running a running uh, an offensive line or a running game it's going to be hard to keep those leads so I, I think that the Dolphins are one of those teams where Bl- Brian Flores will do what he's got to do to keep that team uh, competitive and he does such a good job and he's doing <laughs> all kinds of different things that you know being up in New England like all these coaches they take take away a lot from Bill Belichick and how he does things and by the way that's a a, a Bill uh, Bill hello Belichickian move when they say that he, you know they bring guys in and if they're not producing they're gone I mean that, that right. I mean is there anything is there more patriotic than that I mean that's what they do up there in New England so we'll see what happens I'm I'm, I'm curious to see it'd be a good division to watch this year a lot of good teams uh getting better that's for sure Okay, once again, our phone number is 201-939-4513. We will go to the phones. And our first call on today's live program is from Jason from New Haven, Connecticut. You're next on BBKL. Hello. Hi, Jason. Hi, Hi, fellas. How are you guys doing? Very well. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for taking my call. I just want to say I'm I'm getting excited. Um, Camp is coming up, I think, next week and hopefully preseason in the season. So, um, very excited. Um, I wanted to talk to you guys about um, four plays on the roster, and I'll try to make it quick so other people could call. Um, my first one, have you guys heard? I know the Giants keep everything tight-lipped as far as contracts. I do get that. But to me, I feel the one big re-sign, hopefully next year we do make, or probably during the season, is um, Peppers. Um, but Jabril Peppers, I think he's been a emotional leader for our defense. Um um, and if, um, from what I hear, he's very influential in the signings of um, Galladay and Jackson going out to dinner with those guys. So I wanted to see what you guys felt about the potential of, you know, him being re-signed, hopefully. I, I hope the Giants re-sign him. We'll see what happens. But Well, I think the first thing you have to think about is him as a player, and I don't think there's any doubt that the Giants like what he brings to the table. Mm-hmm. But then the second part you have to think about is the economics of it. And if Jabril Peppers is going to command a very large price tag, we already know that Kevin Abrams, the Giants' assistant general manager, has said next year is going to be a challenge for this team salary cap-wise. They are going to have to do some squeezing, and it, and it could be a little difficult. Well, we saw what happened this year. Davlin Tomlinson got squeezed out. Uh, I guess what I'm saying to you is, I would not rule anything out in terms of Jabril Peppers. I do think they love him as a player. I think they want him here. But I also know that economics sometimes makes you not do what you want to do and have to do something you don't want to do. Now, remember this. They do have Logan Ryan. If he remains healthy and productive and shows that he still has some prime years to go, Uh, You've got Julian Love and Xavier McKinney back there who are young players who you believe are going to continue to get better and grow. You know, could I see a scenario if the economics force their hand to where Peppers may wind up somewhere else? I don't think that's an impossible scenario. I don't think that's favorable, but I don't think it's impossible. Jeff, you may feel differently. 
No, I think you, I think you're correct, and I think when you look at the the grand scheme of things and look at the players that you just mentioned, um, there's there's some depth there, and I think the Giants have gone out there and done that on purpose. They want to make sure that they have depth at that position, and now, unfortunately, the economics might come into play with Jabril Peppers, um, so he may get squeezed out, like you said. There's also the possibility with all the you know there's a lot of depth at the cornerback position that you could maybe move some of those guys to to move into a to a, a safety position next year or what have you. But, you know, the bottom line here is that how much is he going to want? And remember the last safety that was here that went down to the Washington team, uh, they just couldn't pay him the money. So I think that that's probably going to be the situation with Jabril. Yeah, you, you, know, you mentioned the young guys, Jeff. Aaron Robinson, who was their third-round right. pick this year, you know, is believed to have some safety skills. Mm-hmm. So that's another guy that does have to get added to this meatloaf as you try to figure out what you're going to serve for dinner. Yeah, and I, I, Aaron Robinson is a guy that can actually play a little bit of that box safety. So I think that's important, too, because, you know, safeties are not all of them are made alike. You know, Jabril is basically a borderline safety linebacker when you think about it. He's a guy that can really, you know, mix it up a little bit at the line of scrimmage and, and has that toughness. Um, and you, and I love to see it. So it'll be interesting. Listen, I just want to see him play this year. I think this defense is going to be good and want him to stay healthy. Right. Um, I'm going to make one point about Jabril and I'll move on to the next so I can make a quick Sure. Um, I like the Logan Ryan pickup last year, um, but honestly, if you ask me who I'd rather have as far as long term, I mean, I'm taking Peppers over Logan Ryan um, nine times out of ten. Um, nothing wrong with Logan Ryan; he was beneficial to our defense last year. But over the age of thirty, we gave him a pretty good contract. Now, of course, I'm not in those offices; I don't do the cap. But to me. Um, I'd rather have Peppers over Ryan. There's no slight to Ryan. I'm just talking about long-term age and so on and so forth. Um, Just remember, though, now, and and I don't want to interrupt you, but it's important to note that because they gave Ryan a new contract, that if they were to jettison him, they're going to be on the hook for dead money. That's not the case with Jabril Peppers if he goes via free agency. Right, right. No, I, I understand. I guess what I'm saying, I wasn't a big fan of the re-signing of Ryan, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But it's it's done, and I'm glad he's on our team now. So um, okay. the other two players I want to um, talk about, and I'll make it quick. Um, I'm a big believer in Caden Smith. Um, I know we have Rudolph and Ingram made the Pro Bowl last year, which to me was kind of a, a throw up to him. But he made the Pro Bowl, so that was great. But to me, I've always been a believer in my tight ends being able to block and being able to find those those openings and those zones. And I hope, um, I'm hoping he can make the roster. I know he doesn't cost much on the cap, so he probably will stay on the roster. Um, but the, um, Daniel Jones' rookie year, I think him and Caden um, had a really good connection for some reason. It seemed like they really hit it off as far as um, Daniel would use him as a security blanket. And I, I'm kind of interested to see what his growth is going to be um, going forward. And then my next guy, um, Jeff, I know you're a UM alum. And for some reason, this guy just doesn't seem to get on the field. Um, but when I watched him in Miami, I thought he was a really good player, which is McIntosh, RJ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think there is a chance that he may make the roster. Um, why he didn't really see the field last year, I don't know. I'm, you know. And it looks like we've got another issue with the phone lines. So, Jeff, I will let you comment well, on McIntosh, and I'll comment on Caden Smith. Well, McIntosh, uh, you know, the first year he had that condition, so he didn't see much, and then coming back the following. But he's, you know, he was drafted in the fifth round in 18. 
I mean, that's a, I mean, that's kind of a long ways away or a long time ago, you know, but um, I think that he's one of those guys where um, he's going to have to do something this year to show this coaching staff, you know, Ellison Smith is another guy that can play that position. So I think that, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. But I just think he's been a guy where if you look at it last year, how many years, how many games he was inactive, um, that tells you kind of a little bit of a story here and there. So it'll be interesting. Listen, Coach Judge wants competition. So if he comes in here and competes and says it shows that he's one of the better the guys that are there, he's going to make it. But, I mean, he's got a, an uphill battle, if it's, in my opinion, this year. All right. Uh, Caden Smith, I will just add this. Uh, he is not much of a downfield threat. This is a guy who's averaged less than 10 yards a catch, uh, you know, with the Giants. And that's because he doesn't have a lot of speed or athleticism or, you know, ability to necessarily get open downfield. He is a check down safety blanket. I do think that he makes the team. He would be, you know, one of the tight ends that I would mm-hmm. keep. But but to suggest that he's got a lot more upside, I'm not sure that he does, especially when you consider that both Ingram and Rudolph can get more vertical and are going to be considered more pass-receiving threats to be able to make plays as opposed to Caden Smith, who, again, when he put up those numbers a couple of years ago, he was a check-down safety valve. And, and that, that to me, is about what he is in the passing game. So I don't know that, that I would look for an expanded role out of Smith. I think he is what he is. We go to line two, and Chris from Rochester, you're next on the show. Hello. Hey, can you guys hear me? We can. Hi, Chris. Hey, you guys are awesome. Um, I've been a Giants fan. My, I actually played for the Avon Giants when I was little, so I've been a Giants fan since <laughs> I've been eight years old. There you go. And I wanted to, well, first of all, I I already took the time off of work for Wednesday, August 11th. <clears throat> I wanted to see if I could get two tickets for me and my girlfriend. be the first time I've ever been to MetLife Stadium. <clears throat> but I read that it was all the tickets. There was something that said that the tickets were gone, so I was just hoping that there was still two left. Well, Maybe Chris, I could come I, I to don't, the family. Chris, honestly, I don't know what the updated situation is. I would invite you to go to Giants.com and see if they had released any other information over the course of the weekend. I had not gone back to look at it. But you could always try to contact the Giants' offices if there is no explanation there and see if they can kind of sort things out for you. I don't know what's still available or if there's anything more available right now as it stands. I wish I could tell you, but the truth is, because of the pandemic and not being back in the office, a lot of stuff kind of scoots by me, and and I I just don't have as many details as I'd love to give you. Okay. All right. Thanks, Paulie. Well, I'll give that a shot. And I want to tell you guys to stop ripping on Paulie for being so optimistic. These guys, like, look at look at our look at our year last year. Everybody, we were six and ten, and people, you know, nobody's given us a chance. But we were three catches away from three more wins. We were in every single game, maybe besides that Steelers game, the first game. But we have no OTAs, no preseason. First time coach, first time. You know, <clears throat> offensive coordinator, first time defensive coordinator. That's tough. That's tough for any team, and we did good. I swear, if the Eagles didn't lay down, we were going to beat Tampa that first game. We already played. We already played really, really good against them, and 
gave it up at the end, but I feel like the Giants, if we would have went into the playoffs last year, I think we would have beat Tampa in the divisional round. <clears throat> we well, were Chris, good. The, we the, the, the optimism is very exciting, and I honestly do hope that that works out for you and you're able to come up to the Meadowlands and uh, get a look at the, the uh, training camp practice. Uh, wish you all the best and appreciate the kind words. I do think, though, Jeff, that most of us share the optimism about this team that the front office has. Uh, the team is definitely on the upward move. Of course. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think that when you look at this roster and go down through it, I mean, you have the depth that you need because I think that in the past why this team has struggled, part of it is that you know, they just didn't have a lot of players behind the starters that could produce. And when guys get hurt, you know, so they built a nice nucleus of players here with a lot of depth. they got some really good young, young players, the ones that they drafted this year. I think, it, you know, we're all optimistic. I think you just have to put it all together, and, and I, I think that that's the big thing, and I think the coaching staff will do that. Um, let's just not get ahead of ourselves and think that this team's going to be a 13-14 you know, win season. They might, but, I mean, they have, they have a little ways to go, but I think that the, definitely the arrow is pointing up for sure. All right, we go back to the phone lines at 201-939-4513. Christian from Albany is next on BBKL. Hello. Hello, Christian. Hey, I hope you guys are doing well. Yes, sir, you too. To call about, thanks. I wanted to call about Joe Judge. Um, first of all, I love the guy. I think he is 100% head coach material. I love his big picture view on everything. Uh, he, he really just seems suited for the job, 100%. Um, but something I worry about a little bit is him being involved with the player evaluation and the draft. because, And I understand it's only been one season. You need at least three years to evaluate a class. But Andrew Thomas, as it stands, is not the top tackle of that class. And it worries me a little because of his Georgia connection. And I just, I really, Jeff, I want your opinion on this. Do you need the very best people? <laughs> do you need the very best people? Or do you just need to make sure people are stable and show up to work? Uh, well, I, I think that you hope that everybody's stable and shows up to work. I mean, I, listen, I, I think the biggest thing with with Thomas is that, you know, no matter what position you play coming into the National Football League, there's a transition. Um, you're going up against the best athletes in the world at every every game. OK, so in college, you're not. You're going up some against some good competition, and him coming out of the Southeast Conference and playing the Georgia was probably the best that you're going to get. But the fact is that this is the National Football League, and you as a rookie, no matter where you're at, you always have growing pains. The thing that helps him is that if you have coaches that can help and develop these players, I feel like Rob Sale, the new offensive line coach, is, is, and you got Pat Flaherty who's there, you've got some really good coaching that can help him. And I think he's a big, strong guy, and I think that he will get better. But remember this, it's difficult to come out of the gate and go ahead and start 16 games in the National Football League right out of being a, a rookie. That's tough. That's really tough on and anybody. I, I, wanted to acknowledge, I wanted to acknowledge this for Paul. Like, I understand that Thomas has a chance to still be the best tackle of that class. But there was four major guys, and three of them outplayed him. And it's a little concerning to me because it makes me think maybe Joe weighs too heavily with his connections, and it might even cloud who they're looking at as the very best player for them. I would ask you very kindly to tell me which of those guys outplayed him over the final six weeks of last season. 
Forget about the early part of the season when all rookies are going to have their growing pains. And, of course, the fact that he opened up right out of the gate against the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is an impossible situation for any rookie to pass protect against. And, of course, the Giants, as we all know, played like four of the top six defensive pass rushing teams in the league in the first couple of months of the season. So let's just, you know, digest those facts first and then tell me over the final six weeks of the year which of those rookies was significantly better than Thomas. If you want to, you know, cut it by a Kleenex tissue, that's that's one thing. But tell me who was so much better than he was. Well, it's not necessarily uh... – I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say the last six weeks decides the ultimate um, impression, but it, it at least, and, and I'm, and I'm acknowledging maybe Thomas will be the best tackle of his class, but as it currently sits, I'm a little worried that that pick was made way too heavily based on connection. When I mean, overall, those other three tackles had a better year, and. Like I, I'm with you. I hope that last six weeks is very indicative. But um, you know, a lot of big offensive line analysts kind of saw this coming, and that's that's what concerns me a little. Because well, see, no, no, the- no. Hold on, hold on. Now, uh, to be fair, okay, there was a general consensus among most draft experts and people who studied this stuff, and it was widely publicized that Thomas was thought to be the most pro-ready of the tackles coming in because of his techniques. Now, the two things that set him back, and I can actually identify this for you instead of just reading propaganda that's coming from some of the other media. The fact remains, he did not understand how to do his punch properly. And we know this because his offensive line coach at Georgia was a guest on BBKL, and he told us that at Georgia... They did not teach him the punch technique properly because that's not something that the Bulldogs believed in. But he always thought he could do it, and he said that if he had had Thomas another year, he would have tried to teach him that because he was going to need it in the NFL. And what did we see? We saw Thomas not being able to execute the punch in the first half of the year, and it was one of the reasons that guys took advantage of him. The second problem was that the kid got absolutely stripped of all his confidence right from the very get-go against the Steelers. And his confidence went in the tank. And you saw it because he was consistently oversetting and cheating on his sets. And every time you do that in the NFL, veterans who are good are going to take advantage and abuse you. And that's what happened. Until the second half of the year... When Thomas finally started to believe in himself, started to do better with his punch, and actually said to himself, I know that I'm good enough to hold up. Then you saw him stop cheating, setting the way he was supposed to set, and he took care of business. So, remember, they always tell you in sports, it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately scenario, which is why I think it's fair to grade him on the last six games of the season. Because that's the player that he is, not what he was in September or October of last year. I think you need to be a little bit more fair. I would also say that Wirfs was head and shoulders better. Wirfs played right tackle. That's fine. We needed a left and a right. Okay, but Thomas played left tackle. Could we compare him to left tackles as opposed to somebody who played a different position? Well... The, the Giants I mean, got a right tackle. They drafted Matthew Parrott. 
I mean, one of the big points made these days is that you need both just as much. And I don't, I don't have a problem time. with that. Sure. I, I agree with you on that. There's no question. You do. You do. And that's why they drafted Parrot. So, so you know, but you to, can't compare Parrot to Wurfs because Wurfs was a number one and Parrot's a number three. Well, that's, right? yeah, that's totally fine. Of course. Sure. I mean, there's different expectations for those players. No 100%. question. No question. Um. And I do want to acknowledge, maybe Thomas will be the best tackle of his class. And you have I'm said that. Saying, right. I'm just saying, as it currently sits, I'm a little worried that connections are weighed a little too heavily. But, again, that's like, you know, the only thing I really worry about with Judge, because I really believe he's going to take this team where, where they want to go. Okay. Fair enough. Thanks for the phone call. 201-939-4513 here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. You know, Jeff, what really surprises me a lot, because we all know that fans are always about, you know, what have you done for me lately? That's always the case. Nobody mm-hmm. ever wants to remember the past, and they never want to go back and turn a few pages behind when a guy starts to perform poorly. But it should work in reverse as well. You know, mm-hmm. don't don't give me... We don't think he's very good when you see that lately he was very good. You know, don't don't turn the pages back just when it's convenient when you want to rip on a guy. Because as Dan Reeves always used to tell us, okay, Dan used to say all the time, nothing stays the same. You either get better or you get worse. But you don't stay the same. So the idea for a young player is you want him to get better. You want him to play his best ball toward the end of the season. That's exactly what Andrew Thomas did. I, I can't. I can't say enough about coaching. Okay. Um, you know, my my position. There was there was no coaching at my position. Okay. And in, in fact, there there's not a lot of coaching that goes on at the kicking and the punting position, because none of these guys ever played the position or know much about it. So there's a lot of uh, Pete Rodriguez, my old special teams coach um, from Seattle, and um, he was in the NFC East forever with the Cardinals when I was playing for the Eagles. He told me one day, he said, listen, you, all of you guys need to be self-taught because none of us can teach the position, and that's the truth. Now, that's not the truth at these other positions, especially at tackles and guards and things like that. These guys, if they're, they just have to be coached right. And like you said, Paul, that if you're coming out of college and you're just not – you're not real. You're not coached well at some certain technique, and all of a sudden now you're asked to do it. Well, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, you gotta, you gotta have to. You're, you're going to have progression, right? So, and that progression was the last six weeks of the season. Look at how well Andrew Thomas played. Okay, so now you fast forward to the 2021 season. You've got a whole new coaching staff at the at the offensive line position now. You know, with Coach Flash, who has a has a, a myriad of experience. You know that that's going to help him. And then you got Rob Sale, who's a guy that I actually know pretty well and have talked to, and talked to him a lot about that offensive line lately. And he believes that all these guys with coaching is going to get better. And so that's the thing with Andrew Thomas. Let's 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 have this discussion, you know, a year from now and see where we're at. But. Um, I just I just have a hard time evaluating these guys after one season. It's tough because it's very difficult to play in the National Football League, especially being a left tackle. There's one reason why they get paid a lot of money, Paul. You know that. It's the mm-hmm. toughest position across those five guys. So we got to kind of be a little bit patient 
with the progression and kind of the maturity of that position with Andrew Thomas. I'll give you some specific numbers regarding my tape study on Andrew Thomas. Uh, He held his opponents without a sack in seven of his last nine games, okay? The, The three sacks, actually two and a half, that he allowed over the final nine games of the season, there were two against Arizona, well, Reddick, had, look how many he had that day. Okay. Yeah, Reddick <laughs> ate the Giants for lunch that day. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Reddick came off the edge on a five-man pressure package on a third down zone blitz. Okay, that was one sack. Another sack was a four-man front, Reddick off the edge. It was a zone blitz, and it was a forced fumble. That was two. I Reddick had five sacks that day, I believe. Mm-hmm. Don't, isn't that right, Jeff? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he ate everybody for lunch that day. Uh, and then the following week against Cleveland, he gave up a half a sack to Garrett off the edge on a four-man front. And that's it. That's it. In the last nine games of the regular season, that's it. And that's a guy giving up a half a sack against Miles Garrett. I mean, that guy is – he's a real man, right? Okay. (laughs) uh, I'm going to make this real simple, Jeff. Would you sign up for that right now? Yeah, I, I signed up for it last year. I I, I thought, you know, listen, I, there are so many. It just depends on who you talk to. You know, those 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 tackles last year, who how they want to rank them. Uh, give me three years from now, then we, we can talk, okay? Because by that time, I, I feel like they've they've had enough in the league to understand how this game is played and the coaching that they're getting, and they need to they need to step up. And if you know, that's about the time when, you know, we finally see, and we've seen it before. Where players can either play or they can't, and should look we, what happens. You got to sit there and you sit there, and then now you're on a five-year contract and a number one guy. So you're going to make decisions going forward. Sure. And, and Jeff, look, I'm not, I don't want this to be an excuse because injuries are a part of the game. But we also know, after the fact, that Andrew Thomas was playing on a bad ankle all year. Well, that that doesn't help. <laughs> okay. We also found that out. Mm-hmm. And, of course, during the first half of the season when they were going up against monster fronts and he's losing his confidence and he's trying to figure out what this punch thing is all about and he's playing on a bum ankle and it's just not working out well. A cornucopia of events, you know, ex- can explain why he had a poor first half of the season. But then mm-hmm. look what happened. The transformation in midseason was like night and day. Mm-hmm. He was that good the second half of the year. Yep, and now, now I think what we're going to look at this year, aside from Andrew Thomas, is let's look at Matt Parrott. Let's look at his progression and how much he's going to get better this season coming out of, of playing however percentage there were of plays that he got in last year. So, um, you know, we got to look at that. So these are all young guys. When you look across that offensive line, I mean, that's a young group now. I mean, really young group. Um, when you put Hernandez in there at right guard, uh, he's probably, you know, he's the guy that's played the most. Um, Actually, so. it's funny you mention him, though, Jeff. Before you go anywhere else, let's mention the fact that Will Hernandez, who clearly had a subpar first half of the season, was playing left guard. Who was he next to? Yeah, Andrew and, Thomas. Bingo! <laughs> so another reason why maybe Andrew Thomas was also struggling during oh, the first oh, month or and, two months of the well, year. Hold on a second. Let's not forget that How he many also more played Shea Lemieux. Think about this. He also played against a rook next to a rookie in Shane Lemieux last year for however many games he played. So, I mean, that's that just goes to show you. I mean, that's it's not easy, especially when you've got young, inexperienced guys. 
It just it just boggles the mind how many times people want to dump on somebody, That's okay. and then they the fail to look at the reasons why. And when you realize that there are several legitimate reasons for certain things to have happened, it's like, okay, guess what? When it rains, you get wet. Did you know that? When it <laughs> rains, you get wet. Things happen as a yeah. result of certain things. There are repercussions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah. people just don't seem to understand that. They think, like, just mysteriously, oh, this, this isn't working out. This, there must be blame to point here. No, no. <laughs> Sometimes there are reasons why things happen. There are things. You ever hear a cause and effect? Yes, all the time. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And that's not to pick on that caller because he did admit that Thomas may turn out to be the best tackle in three years. Yeah. So I don't want to pick on the caller. But – some of his doubts and and takes on Thomas were typical of what I believe to be a very naive and negative take that people just like to pile on to for, mm-hmm. for really without a lot of reason. Anyway, 973, uh, not 973, that's uh, going to be the old number. 201-939-4513 is our phone number. 201-939-4513 or Twitter at hashtag Giants Chat. We've got about, uh, what, 10 minutes left of the program? No, we don't have 10 minutes left. We've only got a couple minutes, minutes left of the program. Yeah. How did that happen? It went by so fast, Jeff. It always fast, happens Jeff. this way. It's hey, I, I, got, I got one thing for you before before we go because I don't know if we're going to be able to squeeze another phone call in here. Um, Cowboys, Steelers, Buccaneers. All get to open training camp this week. Okay. Uh, we know that everybody else is going to open on the 27th of July. The Cowboys and Steelers uh, get to play in the Hall of Fame game on Thursday, August the 5th. Lucky so that's them. why they get to start out early. Uh, then the Bucks also, they've got to visit with the White House and stuff, and they're going to open up uh, the regular season against the Cowboys on September 9th. So that's why these three teams get an exception, and they get to open up camp a little bit earlier than everybody else, approximately a week ahead. Do you think that makes much of a difference, given that there have been so many restrictions and, and so many off-the-field kind of Zooms and stuff that we've had to deal with during the offseason? Are you asking me if it's an advantage or a disadvantage? Is it? Yeah, no. either way. Oh, what do you gotta think? It's got to be an advantage. The only disadvantage is that there's a possibility of, more, of injuries. You know, So, I mean, you get your practice in another week uh, longer than most people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a matter of managing that, uh, that week pretty good you know and i just imagine that there's not going to be many veterans playing in that game as usual because now it's like remember there's only three preseason normal preseason game this year but that would be a four preseason game so they'll probably be in that four game rotation that they normally have done first yeah. first week maybe a quarter for the starters you know what i'm saying so sure um i think that's that's to some advantage i think the biggest advantage is evaluation they get an extra week they remember there's a cut down date that sure. they're different this year. Sure. So they get an extra week of evaluating their rosters. So I think that's probably the the uh, advantage, if you ask me. All right. That'll wrap it up for Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Jeff, thanks for your time. You're As welcome, always. Paul. Thank you. And uh, Armando, thank you. Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald. You can also read him on Twitter and catch all of his podcasts and videos through the Herald website. He did a great job uh, breaking down the Miami Dolphins for us today as part of our opponent previews. Tomorrow we will preview the Chicago Bears with former NFL quarterback Jim Miller. That'll do it for today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. It's part of the Giants Podcast Network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcasts. 
For Jeff Eagles, I'm Paul Tatino. We'll catch you next time.